I can't stress enough how much I love Ensign Mount's portrayal as Captain Pike, right? I am sensing, I mean, we're only two episodes in, right? I am, but I am sensing a massive seismic shift is, is incoming with him because everybody's always like, Picard's the captain, Picard's the best captain. He's the, you know, everybody's got their favorite captain. And it's just, for some reason, I feel like the majority is that everyone feels Picard is is the best captain. I never felt that way, but that's just what I see. A lot of commonly. people think Kirk is. Yeah, it, well, it always comes down to them too. I'm honestly feeling like, and this just may be because I like him so much, but I really feel like Pike is gonna is is sort of incoming as, you know, being the new guy who's gonna really give all of these other great captains a real run for their money. I mean, even. When when I was on the Computer Resume podcast um, podcast with with our friend Todd, you know, he had asked me, and back then, you know, we, Stranger Worlds hadn't even premiered yet. I think we were still some time away from it. He had asked me, you know, who's your favorite character in the franchise? And I said, well, it changed recently. And he's like, well, really? I said, it used to be James T. Kirk. But I said, honestly, it's Anson Mount's portrayal as Captain Pike. I mean, he just makes he's there's just so much charisma and so much likability in him, and you know, just the way that he's able to find moments to just kind of these witty side comments, like "I love this job," "I'm really liking the mustache," you know, she does have a point, Spock. Like those moments, it's just it's just that he's just he's great. Hey everybody and welcome to and welcome back to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kevin. I am the other of the hosts, Ethan. And we are here to discuss Strange New Worlds, Episode 2, Children of the Comet, directed by Maya Vervio, written by Henry Alonso Myers and Sarah Tarkoff. Uh, some notes on the directors. Maya has directed um, Hawaii Five O. The original. <laughs> Still going. Still, Still going. No, 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 Jack no. Lord. Jack Lord, no. who was going to be on the original series, by the way. So this is in really in keeping with, as I often say, that they seem to pull from trashy. Um, Network shows. Yes. But also uh, has directed for The Wheel of Time, which okay. is a fantasy adaptation. <clears throat> yep. Um, so, and Discovery, and Picard. Oh, MacGyver. MacGyver. You got to stick with MacGyver. Oh, Titans. He directed for Again, Titans. the original yeah. MacGyver? Gotham. Mm. Of course not. <laughs> no one with any experience. I, nobody... I've never heard anybody leverage the word trashy as much as you have with regard to uh, with regard to TV shows. Yeah, well, I don't like network shows. Yeah, mostly. Yeah, you say that a lot. I mean, you you know, tra- you always say, "What is it?" Um, trashy ABC shows. Yeah. Yeah, like Vampire Diaries and stuff like that. But I mean, <laughs> look, there may be some people who love Vampire Diaries, but yeah, yeah sure, that's cool. Yeah. So, but I'm sure that they know it's trashy. Yeah, you know, I like. Um, Law and Order Special Victims Unit. I know it's trashy. 
trashy procedurals. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alonzo Myers, though, are you familiar with Alonzo Myers? Yeah, he's one of the co-creators of the show. Right. I have so a somewhat. <clears throat> I sort of know his um his background, sort of, but yeah. Um, let's see. The Magicians, which is a very well-received show, an uh, adaptation of this um, magical... I feel like realism. Frakes may have directed on that show, but I could be wrong. I feel like Frakes may have been on that show at some point. directing. could it. be something called Future Man. Covert mm-hmm. Affairs. Yep. Covert Affairs sounds like a... Um, oh, show. he's the one um, Charmed. He was the showrunner of uh, that show, Charmed, that, was, uh, that people liked back oh, yeah. in the WB days. Uh, and, uh, watched that show, but... Chuck it was trashy. Did you call that show oh, trashy? Oh yeah, totally it was trashy. Totally trashy. <laughs> Chuck, <laughs> but the Carrie you know Diaries. Chuck is a good. Chuck was a good show. Right, I haven't Chuck seen it, but show. I've heard good things. Yeah. The Carrie Diaries, which was a prequel to um, Sex in the City, which I actually enjoyed. <laughs> I'm gonna just put it out there. Needless to say, these people have worked in television for quite some time. Yes, some trashy yes. shows. Some of these some were, yeah. you know, well-regarded shows, yeah. well-respected, but. I thought we got another good episode this week. Um, there was a lot of, as I was watching this, a lot of, it reminded me of the second episode, oddly enough, of Enterprise. Also centering on that show's communications officer, even though Uhura is not yet the communications officer. But in the second episode of Enterprise, which was called Fight or Flight, uh, Hoshi was sort of the subplot of that episode and sort of in similar vein to Uhura questioning her place not really her place in Starfleet but just not really wanting to be in space and very nervous very timid and wasn't really sure of herself as far as her skill level goes and very much like at the end of this episode she's given an opportunity to sort of use that skill that saves the day and it's and in some ways it kind of you know restores her faith in who she who she is and what she brings to this to this crew so i i saw a lot of i saw a a fairly substantial parallel there it's not the exact same story but just in sort of concept for each character it's a very similar path Mm, that makes sense i remember that episode not a bad episode how do you feel about the fact that we got an episode mostly focused on Uhura, yeah. and she also did the voiceover in the beginning? Seems I, to maybe be a staple of the show. I, I, I enjoyed it, because here's the thing. Uhura's been a mainstay of the franchise for the last 55-plus years. Okay, She's been in 69 of the 79 original series episodes in the animated series as well, in all the films. But she never truly had an episode that centered on her. She would have episodes where she would have sort of moments. Charlie X, where she's singing. She's got a nice moment in the Tholian web. You know, there are, she's had various moments throughout the, the original series, but never an actual episode focused on her. They did things differently back then. So this is really the first time in 55 years that we get an episode on Uhura and we learned some things about her that we didn't know I mean short of what we were talking about a few minutes ago 
we find out that she comes from a village in Kenya. She has a set, her parents and her brother died in a shuttle accident, which kind of influenced her decision to go into Starfleet. But even in the beginning of this all, she's not really sure if she even wants to be in Starfleet. So yeah, sounded yeah. a little bit familiar. Sounded a little bit like a Michael Burnham situation going on there too, right? But right. or a Pike, or a Pike. Episode. But it was refreshing because it's me sort of looking at this character in a whole new light. Because it's mm. there's a lot of things revealed about her that we just didn't know about before, and this is what I was talking about when the characters of the show were announced. And some were like, well, I don't know, legacy characters. I was like, but yeah, but we don't... I, like, I, I understand. Okay, I, I understand the, the, the sort of resistance there. But really, t I, said, t I would say to somebody, tell me something about Uhura. Tell me something that you know about Uhura, short of her being the communications officer. Yeah. I think me, all people yeah. can say is that she's competent at her job. Yeah. And sometimes she thinks the boys are up to some nonsense. Right. Right. A lot of times they would sort of cut to her and she would make a face or something. I was like, oh, these... Which... These I mean, very that's, that's much... It. Yeah. But this is clearly the episode, the moment, that kind of sets her on the path of where we do eventually see her on the original series of being the chief communications officer. And they sort of, I think, do a good job of teasing that throughout the episode. I mean, she's... You know, there's that moment later on where she's standing over the console of the other communications officer, and she's saying, I think you're being hailed. Like, she doesn't even really know just yet, but you can sort of see where the character's going. Yeah. The thing that I really like is they're very careful with the backstory they've come up with. Yep. And I think it's quite good. Yeah. Um, you know, the truth, based in fact, that Kenya has many, many languages, so mm -hmm. the right way, someone who would spend their whole life around so many languages would have this... Mm, you know, proficiency in learning languages. And I really like the fact that she was going to university, but her parents were both professors. So when they died and her right. brother, um, you know, she couldn't face going to the university where she probably spent most of her childhood, her parents being professors there and having them not be there. Right. So that's what led her to Starfleet. I think it was, it was a nice, you know, potentially it could be more of the trauma, adding trauma to everybody. But I think it was, it was fine. It was sort of dealt with as like, that's here's why she's here. I don't think it's going to become an issue beyond that. Agreed. It's uh, And it makes sense for her indecision also, because Starfleet was not her first choice. Her first choice was to go to university when she emotionally couldn't handle that. Um, Starfleet just seemed like something to fall into. And right. because probably because she's so brilliant with languages, um, you know, most people couldn't just fall into Starfleet, but she was able to. Well, and we find out she speaks 37 languages, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what I find interesting additionally is that, you know, she, I think, she, well, first of all, I think she's played wonderfully by Celia Rose Good. I think she's, she's really, really good at playing this character. But I like that this episode I mean, when was the last time we got a sort of focus on one singular character throughout an episode, right? But you're talking about the trauma, right? I mean, I, at first I thought to myself, okay, here we go with the, with more trauma, right? But it's not, she's not a, she's not a damaged individual, you know? No, no, no. She's not, 
she's somebody who, from what we saw in the first episode, and then even in the first few minutes of this one before that, it went, before all that's even revealed, it's kind of like I reacted to it. I reacted to that as a member of the audience saying, "Oh, the way you carry yourself, I wouldn't even know that 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 happened to you." Yeah, that's a good point. She, yeah. she does seem like, well, she's like a very likable character, which is right. certainly what you want. Right. And being the sort of the newbie there, I think that's good for us also because right. we get to see a little. Um, she's our way into the culture of the ship. Right. She learns it. We learn it. Mm -hmm. And we get some more of that. And they're really playing up the fact that I think it's fine. I just think it's a little funny. They're really playing up the fact that Pike is like. The man's man, very social yeah. in this way, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to go tend to the ribs. You guys have a <laughs> grab a drink. You see him with the first well, see, riding a horse for no reason that that le so that leads me to what I the thing I wanted the, the thing I want to discuss. I what I what I thought really worked about this episode. Now, obviously, there's a science fiction plot that needs to be dealt with in the episode. But I thought mm -hmm. that kind of, for me, in my viewing of this episode, that plot took a backseat because I was much more interested in the 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 character moments, the you know finding out who Uhura is, the the having dinner in Captain Pike's quarters, and the crew just talking and getting to know each other, right? Everybody having a personality. Everybody having a personality. And, that is unique to themselves. And look, I don't want to tool <laughs> on the other shows, the other live action yeah, shows. Right. Particularly the well, first one. I mean, yeah. Picard, I, you know, because again. We'll, we'll always have season one. Right. I just need, it's moments like these. See, you give, you give me a moment where the crew is just together having this conversation, you know, chatting, Pike's talking about you know, chasing after a Nos again and getting tangled up in its pants. Like all of these sort of real moments. Now mm -hmm. I'm invested. Now I'm invested in all of these characters. Now right. I'm very invested in all, in every single character that we have seen. Yeah. So as we get to know them more, when they're right. in peril, we're going to care because exactly. we know who they are. You can't just right. get to know them right before they die. And it's rather ironic that they're doing this with legacy characters that we know already. And yet, right. But yeah, but we don't. Know. But, but also, here's the other thing: is when they have the whole crew together, you've got to have them interact so you can see their personality. Right. It's right. such a basic thing, um, but we don't really see it a lot. So yeah, this just normal back and forth, right, between the characters is is essential. And having Spock be a little, you know, awkward and weird and Vulcan and doesn't really fit in. Right. Those things are great. That's what you need. Yeah, and so. When you do moments, I mean, this is why Ten Forward was such a crucial area on the Next Generation. That's why Quark's Bar was so important. It's why, on Voyager, going into the mess hall, and you know, same with Enterprise and some of the other shows. You just need those scenes, those places, where the crew kind of puts their head down. And they're not on the bridge. They're not always trying to solve some kind of a crisis or mystery box. The difference here is that the the other show wants to wants to try to convince me that they're all buddy buddy without actually doing the work. Yeah. 
it's always a montage whenever yeah. they would be together. That's right. the issue. Right. We never heard them talk to each other. We just saw them right. smiling and laughing. And it's like and you need to just have some dialogue. You, you give them personalities. Need, you just need this is what I said to go. I just we just need the we just need the quiet moments. And mm-hmm. I mean, what was that scene in Pike's Quarters? Like ten minutes of the most, maybe? And it's like right. that's all. I'm not saying yeah. you gotta do a and whole it, season of this. You just every once in a while. Yes. And it's once you have your character's personalities established, then when you write them in action scenes or crisis scenes, their right. personality still can come through. Right. And we saw some of that. Pike manages Pike to, has personality. Pike can I tell you something? So um I can't stress enough how much I love Ensign Mount's portrayal as Captain Pike, right? I am sensing I mean we're only two episodes in, right? I am, but I am sensing a massive seismic shift is is incoming with him because everybody's always like Picard's the captain. Picard's the best captain. He's the you know everybody's got their favorite captain, and it's just for some uh, reason I feel like major, the majority is that everyone feels Picard is is the best captain. I never felt that way, but that's just what I see. A lot most of commonly. people think Kirk is. Yeah, it, well, it always comes down to them too. I'm honestly feeling like, and this just may be because I like him so much, but I really feel like Pike is going is, is sort of incoming as, you know, being the new guy who's going to really give all of these other great captains a real run for their money. I mean, even when, when I was on the computer resume podcast, um, podcast with, with our friend Todd, you know, he had asked me and back then, you know, we strange worlds hadn't even premiered yet. I think we were still some time away from it. He had asked me, you know, who's your favorite character in the franchise? And I said, well, it changed recently. And he's like, well, really? I said, it used to be James T. Kirk. But I said, honestly, it's Anson Mount's portrayal as Captain Pike. I mean, he just makes, he's, there's just so much charisma and so much likability in him. And, you know, just the way that he's able to find moments to just kind of these witty side comments, like, I love this job. I'm really liking the mustache. You know, she does have a point, Spock. Like those moments, it's just, it's just that, He's just, he's great. And I, I think yeah. he's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have a favorite one from this episode, actually, that I'll mention. <clears throat> it's very subtle. This is a thing, right? This is how you know an actor's good right. when they can do things on their, just their timing. Right. So when he's told, uh, when the, when the uh, alien says, uh, Mahanit is the ancient arbiter of life, and he yeah. just waits a beat and says, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's very confused. <laughs> Yeah, he's just kind of like, or, okay, um, like this is not relevant to. <laughs> we're trying to deal with this comment. What? What do you? Why are you telling me this weird, weird stuff? I fr- I don't have it written down. I I meant to write it down. It's when and t- I think it's I think it's close to the same moment when somebody. It's when the communications officer says who he is, and he's like, "There's something in the title." He's like, "Wait, really?" And she's like, "Well, that's how the translators translating it." There's like this oh, one yeah, word. Yeah. yeah, you I forget. The shepherds. The shepherds. shepherds. And he's like, right. Yeah, and that's and how like, it's translated. Yeah, and he's yes, like, that was good. That was good because also that's a hint as to right. what they see themselves at. Right. They are the shepherds and their flock is this god comet. Right. Now, in talk, so I have a, so I have a prediction that when we reach the end of this season, you and I very well might do an episode like we did at the end of Picard, season one, talking about the character. I feel like characters. I feel like we're heading in that direction. Right, the, that's possible. Cast. Yeah, 
Yeah. But I, th- I think it's one of two ways it could go. It could go that way where they all have an arc over the season, or it could just be that each one is going to get firmly introduced to us. Right. And then it'll sort of be off to the races. But I think the last point I'm going to make is I think that I'm not saying that this show is going, is going to not be able to do an episode. That's not going to be great. Right. But I feel like as weak of an episode, the show may give us at some point, I feel like we'll still at least have the likability of this cast and of these characters that will at least make the episode as bad as they may be somewhat, you know, even tolerable. Right. Well, you know, it was a weak episode, but I just loved watching Anton Mount's performance. I loved, I loved this line, or I love, you know, this character saying that, or something like that. You know what I mean? Or like, mm-hmm. I feel, yeah. I feel like there's always going to be a good character moment with some of this cast, no matter what the episode, how good or bad the episode may end up being. And I feel like that's going to be yeah. right. <clears throat> yeah, I still am a little unless they fail on both counts. My, unless they fail my on optimism, both counts. I'm cautious of my optimism because we've seen, a, you know, two seasons in a row where we really. Yeah. thought partway in this is it they've got it and then right. it fell apart now the thing i think could save this show is that by not having the season-long story arcs right i don't think we're going to hit that weird point that many seasons now hit where suddenly the story's just become we're going to spend 10 minutes on this plot that you kind of don't care about right 15 minutes on this plot that sort of seems like it fits but doesn't and then 15 minutes on the episode lose their cohesive feeling as an episode so i don't think that's going to happen on this show that's well that's so what, i do hope for the best but let's not forget yeah kiva goldsman was heavily involved in the last season of picard right and the first season yeah so he's got yeah. batting batting a 50 or if it was a right. test if this was a, a quarter-long class he would have a, a 50 fail. I, I i just i'll put it this way i think that I feel like I'll be more forgiving if they don't do a good job one week because I say, well, okay, well, next week hopefully it'll be better because these episodes are not related to each other. Yeah, right? no, so, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I just mean if it goes four, I have four great episodes and then every episode from there. Oh, yeah, end. yeah. Like if you have episode That's like continual episodes where they're just not good, it's like, mm, right. Yeah. No, no. I, yeah, but yeah. I don't expect that, honestly. My, my no. hope springs eternal. Right. So, so um, what we're dealing with in this episode is the not a very original plot at a high level, but there's a comet headed toward that's going to collide with a pre-warp civilization. And the Enterprise decides it needs to, you know, get in the way and prevent this comet from colliding with this planet because it's going to affect this entire civilization. Of course, General Order 1, now the Prime Directive, comes into play a little bit, but... Um, we learn that this comet, when they try to divert it from its course, is actually not really a comet. It's got some, it's like an ancient, there's some ancient alien technology inside of it that puts shields around it. And they now have to get inside and try to figure out what's going on before this comet collides with the planet. Which of course then brings in this, as they're tampering with it, catches the attention of this other alien species who, who views this comet as sort of like an ancient... An arbiter of life. An arbiter and of death. life. I didn't have it written down, so thank you. An arbiter, An arbiter of, of life. life and death. So yeah, interesting that they see it as it's it when science around. and faith come 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 into yes. collision. Now, yeah. interestingly, yeah. this is now the second time we've seen Pike deal with these questions of science and faith, isn't right. it? Yeah. Given the um, uh, New Eden. Yep. So maybe this is going to be a theme for him. Um, I hope so. It'd be a good one. So yeah, I like the idea that. 
it, it goes around and it, it either brings life or destruction. Now, we didn't fully know that until later. But here's the interesting thing, as I like to look at these things. The name of the planet. Do you remember the name of the planet? Not off the top of my head. Persephone 3. Okay. In Greek mythology, Persephone is the goddess of the underworld, or the goddess of the dead. Mm. And she's the goddess of fertility and birth and life. Oh, interesting. So, well-chosen name. Doesn't really add anything, but it's still. So you know that they're they're paying attention and they're they're you know they're they're being careful. You choose that name. You choose that name for a reason. Even exactly. If it's symbolic. It's yes. Yeah. Very well chosen because yeah. this comet itself is also sort of the the rock god of life and death. Right. Right. And yeah, so we have to do the whole landing party goes on the uh, goes on the um, the comet to figure all this out. Lieutenant. Kirk comes along again and you know he's he's factoring in a little bit more heavily. I have a trick. Yeah. For how I'm enjoying Lieutenant Kirk. You're just pretending it's not him. His first name is Kirk. His last name is like Smith. That's not in a, my mind. Oh, in your mind, yeah. Yeah, in my mind. I was like, but that's he's not Kirk what he Smith. is. I was like, that's not what right. he is. Yeah. But for myself, I just tell myself, no, yeah. that's just some guy named Kirk. But, you know, naturally, this is because this is a an Uhura episode, you know, her skills are required to try to figure this whole thing out. And they really, they tapped into Uhura's ability, as demonstrated on the original series, to carry a note, and quite beautifully. <laughs> yes. Yes, and to decipher languages. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I do actually like that George Kirk gets this little pep talk moment. It's brief, but also we're getting personalities and... As they're walking, he senses she's feeling a little nervous, and he says, you know, you're the best person to be here, and mm. uh, you're here because you're going to be able to help us. And all yeah. that. So, it was nice. so again, they have personalities, which is great. I also really liked her interactions with Spock. Yep. And I think it came down to a couple of things. First, we're getting great vintage Spock. And I just – and I, I have to do the thing where we compare it a little bit, but I really like how – this show is handling the situations. First off, the captain is being a captain, right? Absolutely. He's being a captain. He's captaining the ship. He's on the away team. Yep. Um, but so. Because he's not Kirk. Kirk always went. Kirk right. always led also, the away team. And he's also not Michael, who would have been the one to f- interpret the interpret the language, too. Michael would have solved everything and just everyone's yeah. just around to carry out. A, exactly. Right, so that's my point, right? Yeah. Not only would she solve everything, but she would have been on the ship saying, I know we have to go on that. I know the answer is inside that thing. I know it's there. I, have, I know it in my heart. I have a feeling. Oh my God. I just know it. And then they would... I hate, I hate, I hate, how, to say it, I hate how right you are about that. I can just see the scene in my mind. But, yeah. you know, unlike these other shows, what, I, what I'm enjoying is the Captain Pike is getting consensus from everybody. He wants mm-hmm. to hear, he's using his crew. He's leveraging his bridge crew. They're not just there to carry out orders. Yes, some people are better at some things and some are better at other things. And some of those crew members are even like, even disagree with each other. Yes. Well, no, I and think the thing I really like is that they're, of course, the writers know what's going to happen. That's right. fine. Right. But they make it, they, I, hate, I hate that it has done this to us that we're talking about so much of this, like it's a screenwriting right. podcast about building characters. But yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, we have to. Um, they are 
they're figuring out the problem as they go in a way that seems realistic. Yes. So no one's just saying this is what's happening with no evidence. They're actually gathering evidence. Right. Um, so I like when um, uh, Uhura says the comet seems to want us here. Don't we'll let them leave. And then, no, that's what, yeah. How can a comet know? Oh, that's what Spock says. The comet seems to want us here. And then Uhura says, how can a comet know people are walking on it? And Spock says, salient question. You may need to answer it. These markings may be the only information to lead us to escape. Right. It's like, excellent. Now that, it's such a simple interaction, but it's, it's, it makes it's, so much sense. It's when they talk about the show being a throwback to the original series and even some of the shows that come after that. I think to myself, so when you do a scene like that, that's a throwback? Right, it's just good scene work. Because, and it's also just the difference in personality. She's freaking out like, holy crap, we're on a comet and the comet's not letting us leave? And Spock is just like, yeah, obviously that's what's happening now. You have to do this to fix it, to solve it. Yeah, we... we, logical, so there's no point in thinking about how freaking weird the situation were you waiting for that moment when spock just entered the room and declared this is what's happening like he said this is the second red no. angel <laughs> no i don't that's I what don't happens when you board the uss discovery you just you know yes yeah um so yeah i really really enjoyed that bit and then we we see it mirrored in the very next scene where pike says to the crew how do we get through that force field and he waits and he's looking around like come on somebody Yep. And um, Ortega speaks up and says, phaser harmonics. If we attune the phaser, it could blah, blah, blah. And then number one chimes in and says, and the right frequency could shatter it. You know, like they're thinking it through. Mm -hmm. They're explaining it. They're getting corroboration from each other. They're positing an idea. And then uh, Pike says, I like this plan. This is a good plan. (laughs) In a funny way. Delivers it in a funny way also. It's it's so refreshing to even to be seeing all of this though, because these are things that you and I lamented not seeing for a while because it just, again, everybody just had the answers. Nobody was asking Mm -hmm. the questions and we as the viewers just had to accept it. And I'm saying like, I don't, but why though? Why is it this way? Yeah. Right. I, I need to see you all work it through, work it through, work the problem through. Like you can't just give me a math equation and say, this is how you do it. Right. You need right. to, but why am I doing it this way? What are we doing yeah, it this way it, for? And in fairness, Discovery would do it sometimes, but it was just yeah. For every time they did it, they had another time when someone yeah. just had a gut feeling right that this is the solution, and then it was the solution. So when when Pike said that, when he said when he's like trying to get consensus, he's like, you know, help me out. You know, so what is it? How do we do it? It yeah. reminded me of I that. love that because he gave that look as like he wasn't pissed, but he was like right. you know, he was expecting somebody was gonna give him a damn well, answer. It reminded me of that of a moment on Lower Decks when Captain Freeman says to Boimler, who's sitting at at at, at uh at the con, I've she she's like, Come on, no wrong answers. And he's like, We could do evasive maneuver eighty eight <laughs> and the doc, <laughs> oh, yeah. and the doctor's like, Is he fucking serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no wrong answers except that one. Right. <laughs> except that one, exactly. But I mean, this is what I'm talking about when I say and I feel like I'm gonna be repeating this if the season goes this way a lot, if they just keep doing this. Like this is what this is what I enjoy about a Star Trek episode. You've got a problem, 
you're all working it out together you're trying you're figuring it out as you say as you go it the writers know the answer but it doesn't feel like they know the answer in this at this particular point because right. i'm not left wondering but how did that character know that because is because the thing is this is one of those moments when as a member of the audience you might as well be on that bridge because you don't you don't know any more than the than the characters do and the characters don't know any more than you do yeah and you're no on the same page exactly yes. you're on the same page as your characters Discovery, it often feels like the characters are like two, three steps ahead of us and we're right. kind of running to catch up. And that's when I sort of chime in and say, did I miss an episode? I feel like I missed yeah. something. Did I miss a scene? Right? I need yeah. to be, that's the thing. We need to be on the same page as the characters the entire time. And I feel like so far anyway, this show does a really good job of, of doing that. And I think also right. a lot of it has to do with just how good the characters are as well. Very much. Oh, Kevin, I have a comment. I have a couple comments, and I think you're going to be so happy with it. Oh, good. All right. Get ready for this. Now, the reason I'm saying this when you're a listener is that this is something I never comment on. Mm. So, the scene where the alien ship is revealed yep. was so well done. The ship looks great. Yes. Reveal was fantastic. It was, it was super alien, right? The ship looked very alien. Didn't look like anything we've seen before. Then you've got the way that it's revealed and you see the sheer size difference. Mm -hmm. You understand what you're up against. That's all you needed to know that they were massively overpowered. Is it when Ortegas is like, oh, I think they're going to have a problem with that. And then it's like, oh, shit. I think it's just you see the yeah. you see the alien ship here and then the tiny little Enterprise here. Yeah. And it's like, oh, crap. Yep. And even better, when they have to fly over the over the comet. Yep. It looks so. It's. I. I think it may be the best action scenes mm. of the Enterprise that I've ever seen. It was the first time we ever saw the Enterprise barrel rolling, and like it felt like that Enterprise might have all been flying over a, like a star destroyer or something and dodging tie fighters. Yes. You know what I mean? That's kind of true. Yeah. Yeah. But I really liked it. Also, the cameras moving and the right. ships moving, and it was in such a way that just brought it to life and it felt like I think we were in a shuttle following behind well, the see, we we were talking about this on an ep on an episode of the podcast some time ago I forget what episode it was but we were making a comparison to the Abrams start the way the Abrams Star Trek film is made and then even some of the Star Wars Abrams films are made in that they do a very good job at feeling at giving you the sense that this is actually a real world, and there's a cameraman in there filming the entire thing. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And, and that's something that, yeah, yeah, it's it's a used thing. Right. But it's really effective at certain times. You can't do it for everything. Right. Up here. Right. But, I, but I got that sense of from this episode. And, you know, and I also don't want to forget, leave out, that I've always lamented that the recent shows, what we, what we never seem to get enough of, and this is all of them, we never get enough of those establishing beauty shots of the ship just flying by or doing something. And I feel like this show does a very good job of that. I, even though it is the same enterprise that we see later on, it still feels like very much like a character on the show. And they're very good at giving us, yeah, some very good establishing shots of the ship and just ship shots in general. Right. And showing the ship at angles we've never seen before. Right. Right. Like you see the impulse power, um, mm -hmm. I don't know, exhaust impulse or whatever the heck makes yeah. the impulse. Yeah. yeah, you see that, 
in this, there was one where we saw that in a certain way, and I thought, I've never seen it like that. We see the nacelles. This might be in the opening. But we see the nacelles there's a, at the end of the nacelles in a way I've never seen them before. There's, so, little, there's little detailing in the opening, right. like when the, I think it's when the camera pans over the impulse engines and they power on. Yes, yes. But yes, you yes, see, so you see like some buildup on the lens, on the camera lens, right? Again, it goes back to what I was saying. Like it feels like there's actually a camera out there. Yes. And when the nacelles yeah. light up, it's yeah. as if you're in the dark of space and they're the only light source. But it also goes to show, and I've said this for years, that the Enterprise, particularly that Enterprise and even the um, the uh, uh, refit Enterprise seen in the motion picture films, in the motion picture and the films afterwards, the Enterprise design, no matter what angle you look at it from, it looks mm -hmm. fantastic. There's no bad angle of that ship that there's no unflattering view of that ship that you could ever see. It's it looks great from every single angle that it shot, and to your point, we're seeing it from angles we don't normally see, yeah. because if you recall in the original series, and they you know they addressed this when they remastered the the series, they only had a limited number of shots, and they were only showing it. Yeah. They could only show it on one side because it was only made yeah. out on one side. So you flip the film around if you want to go in the other way. When the mirror, yeah, well, when they did the mirror universe episodes, when they showed it, they did the same shots but mirrored them they had to put the decals on decals on backwards so when they flipped mm. the film they would you know so yeah, yeah i mean and i appreciate that because what i actually thought they were going to do with the show and they may still i actually thought there would be times they would mimic some similar shot flybys like i i do hope at some point me too i do hope at some point we get that shot of the enterprise flying in and then it pans into the bridge dome like it does in the cage in the first episode uh, yeah. yeah i hope we get a shot like that yeah. 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 And I hope we get one of those standard ruins they've reused probably dozens of times right. in the original series. That would be fun. Just right. Kicks. But, um, you know, like I was saying, this is the parallels to the second episode of Enterprise Fight or Flight are pretty good. Um, I like that, you know, Uhura is given the chance to prove herself. And, you know, they, and she ends up figuring the puzzle out and they, How do I say this? She ends up figuring it out. And this is really, I think, the beginning of her journey to who she becomes. But, you know, let's not forget that there is going to be serialized storytelling in the sense of where the characters go. So hopefully they will build on this as time goes on. But mm -hmm. I liked the sort of, res I really enjoyed the resolution of this episode and how, you know, Pike. Pike has some Kirk and Picard in him. I think he's definitely got Picard's sort of dipl diplomacy traits. Yeah. Um, but also a little bit of a rigid thinking like Picard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's very much of a, um, you know, he kind of bluffed his way out of it in some ways like Kirk did. But the day ended with him with a little bit with a little bit of Picard saying, you know, with his diplomacy, you know, saying. And I like that they said. We don't depart as enemies. I feel like had this been any other show, it would have been like, oh, you know, like they would have said at the end of Voyager, you've made an enemy today. Mm. But yeah, it's yeah. I like that they leave them with a lesson. They say maybe next time you'll think twice before you go dismissing people's beliefs. Right. I thought to myself, when was a and I thought to myself, when is the last time you heard that on on one of these shows? Yes. Yeah. It's true. Um, yeah, so I, I really did like that. His, 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 he, we talked about it before when we said how to translate Shepard 
and he's thinking like, well, that can't be right. Right. So he's immediately just completely dismissing what they're saying. Yeah. Because I think we've established, right, that it is an atheistic society. Mm -hmm. So we've got that. But um, as they as the expression goes, any advanced technology, any very, very, I don't know exact quote, but anyway, it comes from Arthur C. Clarke. Any like super advanced technology will be indistinguishable from magic to us today. Yeah, Picard has said that before. Yeah. yeah, so that's the thing here, right? This could be a god comet, or it could just be a certain technology that they've interpreted as being a god comet. Right. Um, but I think it, it gave him sort of the perspective to uh, be right. willing to look at things from another angle and not go with his immediate first but even, thought, which is a good lesson for even him. Even at the end of the episode, so leading up to the end of the episode, you know, Spock is actually the one, they end up moving the comet, but Spock does it with the shuttlecraft. He kind of, you know, he flies pretty close by and kind of forces it off of its course. Mm-hmm. But then we find out at the end, because there was a little oh, yeah. bit, there was a low-hanging fruit at the end, because Uhura still had to translate some stuff, and she said it's going to take a while, right? Mm-hmm. Which I actually thought, oh, maybe they're not going to do that now because they ended up saving the day anyway, so it doesn't. we don't have to come back to this. But the show decided to come back to it. Yes. And we find out that everything that happened with the comet and Spock was actually supposed to happen. It's like the comet had right. knowledge. Or at least the what? At least potentially what right. was supposed to happen. The comet had yeah, foreknowledge. There's some sort of temporal power with the comet. The comet That's had the some order. foreknowledge of all of this. and But... Uhura kind of Uhura reveals all of this, and again, like you were saying with the characters on the bridge, everybody. Because I was, I found myself asking the exact same questions at the exact same time. Pike, Spock, Pike, Spock, and Number One were, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, thank you, show for like because I didn't want them to leave it at that, and just not really. I didn't want them to end it on a mystery. I mean, it does end on a mystery, but it, it ends. We got some. It's not a mystery. We don't need to deal with this mystery. We don't need, right? It's a mystery that will remain unanswered. Modern, like, wow, that was weird. Because the thing is, modern TV and these serialized Star Trek shows have trained us to think that this is going to be addressed. Like this is going to be an unanswered question. Well, wait a minute. You right didn't now, it's going to be like the quest for the comet. Right. Right. But, oh, it's headed to Earth now. Oh my God. But they answered every, and it's just sort of like it's just one of those things. It's just this is what happens when you find shit like this out in space, right? It's just one yeah, of those. We didn't question. We didn't question yeah. why, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't know why that that why that alien was bringing Abraham Lincoln out and, you know, so we didn't. It's just like it's just what they're running across this week. You know, that that's all. Yeah. It, that's all it is. Not, not going to head to Earth. Not going to threaten. But what I some characters homeworld. What I think is so great about this one, though, I, this is where I thought the episode really kind of brought it home. It t- goes back to what we were, what we loved about the early part of season four of Discovery. There was a theme throughout the episode and they sort of tie this up with the comet having this foreknowledge and not really sure if the, if it actually knew that this was going to happen it goes back to pike's seeing his future and then number one saying you know well, we're not talking about a comet anymore now mm-hmm. that scene between the two of them not really sure if pike's future is sort of sealed set in stone i thought was a really nice way to wrap the episode up and just remind you yes it is interesting because the way she says it you know you may see the future but are you interpreting it correctly 
Right. Which is a good question given this. But do you think the fact that he then goes and he looks and he looks at all the files of all the people he's going to save, that he is still con- convinced that he's going to die? And also, we know that it does happen because we've seen We know that it results. does. Um, I think that what he's doing... I don't. I don't think he's. The thing is, I don't think he's going to try to prevent it. Okay, I, like the speculation I've seen online. You know, is they, are they going to change this? And I think you even asked that last week. Are they going to do this differently now and change the timeline? I don't think so. Well, did I ask that? Hmm. I don't know if you, I, maybe I don't know if we were recording it. Maybe you just said, "Do you think that yeah. you know maybe it was just offline or something like that?" I think what they're doing is Pike's getting more familiar with. Pike is going to now take it upon himself to sort of get more familiar with everybody involved. Yeah, I love that. And maybe as time goes on, he'll realize, no, I, I'm i not afraid. I have to do this yeah. in his way. I think as time goes on, he's going to convince himself. He's going to come to terms with, this is why I have to do this. I think right now, right. there's just there's so many... He's got so many unanswered questions. He just knows it, but he doesn't. He doesn't really know the full context around it, right? Yeah, but he knows that he yeah. saves these people, so he has to keep reminding himself that why right. it's going to be worth it, right? Which exactly I think is, is an excellent reveal of his him as a character. Very selfless, incredibly right. selfless. Right, right, and so that's what I think is going to happen. I think he's going to try to better understand the context of it all. And why, why this is going to happen? Yeah. So when he does it, he'll do it willingly, right? And maybe feel, in some level, like good about it, knowing the lies right. that he's saving. I do wonder. I mean, we have seen it, but I do wonder if we will see it on the show at some point. Um, I mean, like I said last week, I think it would be a very bleak way to end the show because it doesn't happen until the original series time. But yeah. what is the mechanism by which that happens? Does it, you know, yeah, we'll see it or won't. when this show ends, do we get that remake of the original series and we see it and we see we see it happening someplace, right? right? Or do we just get a flash forward of it happening? Right. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Deal with that. Yeah. I mean, so far, I would be surprised if they did anything like that. But I hope they do. Right. I, didn't, I wanted to take some more chances. Even this. Like, I like this a lot, but... You know, I want to see him take some chances. Yeah. Um, that would be a bold move. The two other things I was going to say. So we, we get to spend a little bit more time this week with the Anar character, Hemmer, who I keep saying, uh-huh. I think is go- I, I think as time goes on, he's going to be, he's going to become, they're setting him up to become one of my favorite characters. I can just see it. Nice. What I like about him, this is who I thought, you know, he's going back, he's one of those classic characters. He's one of those classic Star Trek alien crew members who looks up, who who has to be that mirror for humanity. And we see it in that interaction that he has with Uhura, right? Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, this is who Saru should be. Hmm. Saru is the alien I mean, of the he cast. Was. He was. I mean, he is the alien of the cast, but I, we don't Before get... Before he got rid of his threat ganglia. Right. I, I, there's none of that... I mean, say what you want about, like, Spock, Data, 
Odo, the Doctor from Voyager, yeah. Flocks. Like they're all playing the same. Ain't uh, yeah, Flock is just too familiar to us now that he's right. sort of lost a little bit. But they're all playing that same archetype, archetype, yes. right? They're all doing. They're all variations of the same theme. And I like that we are sort of going back to that. It seems like we're going back to that with with Hemmer. What I like about him, what the thing about him that I like a lot, and I've seen it when I, when they showed the preview clip for the for next week, is there's something about him that is like he's very grumpy. It seems like there's like the, well, it's like there's like this passive annoyance, where mm-hmm. like he's chief engineer. He has to divert power to get them to able to beam up the uh, away team in next week's episode. But the way he sort of carries himself and does it, just kind of like, like, I just, I have to do everything myself. Like, you people would be dead if I wasn't I, here, you know? Well, like I said, he has the attitude of an IT person. Right, yes. That's how you put it when we were talking. Like, how did you guys, how did the ship function without me? Yeah, it's all very matter of fact. Like, none of this is hard for me. The right. only thing at heart is, is me understanding how dumb you all can be. Right. I mean, what was the his line this week was when they were talking about like converting the torpedoes, and Ortegas gives the time estimate, and he's like, I forget what his exact line was, but something like you know, well, considering I have to be the one to do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah. Not, yeah. Not saying that there's a there's quite a situation going on. Right. That he needs to be as quick as possible. But right. Instead, he just. Yeah, I'll also throw that in. We also don't get any time with Dr. Mabenga this week, but I think that's okay. I think it's great. Because you don't see every character every week. You don't given have to that, them in. But here's why it's okay, and here's why I wouldn't say it's okay on one of the other shows. Um, given that if this week is any indication, we're going to get episodes that focus on specific characters each week, or just some more heavily than others. So I'm sure we'll get an episode down the line where Dr. Mabenga is featured. I mean, next week is about a disease. The crew gets a disease of the week. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure it's going to be, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a heavily focused Dr. Mabenga episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the worst thing sometimes was in the other show when it would seem like we need just sometimes we needed to get 10 minutes for no reason. Like, oh, we need our Stamets 10 minutes or something or Paul. And it's like it had nothing to do with this show. So yeah, nobody nobody needed a doctor in this episode. Mm. So we didn't see Benga. Do you think that when um, next week when they all get that disease, whatever the disease is, I and mean, from based on the trailers, it seems like they're all attracted to light. Almost has a very like, naked mom. time vibe to it. Do you think at some point somebody's going to contact Mabenga and he's going to say, "Well, what is it?" I don't, but I hope that that happens, and I hope somebody takes their shirt off. <laughs> from and just to kind of fill everybody in, so that's a moment. It's from the menagerie. Um, that you love, and I love how much you love it. Um, they're basically on the starbase getting some dirt about <laughs> Captain Pike and McCoy's there, of course, and uh, he gets contacted. There's an emergency, and he's just and he's just he's very irritated that he has to like go and be a doctor. Yeah, so we particular- need you. It's an emergency. And, and his reaction is, well, what is it? <laughs> yeah. It's just- a very strange thing for the doctor of the ship to hear there's a medical emergency and just be more annoyed that like, you're interrupting. How dare you job. make me do my job? Yes. I'm getting dirt on Pike. Let me interrupt. Yeah, very funny. Very yeah. Funny. I, we, I think we had, we had been watching that, I think, and then we, you just thought it was the funniest thing you, you'd ever seen. <laughs> 
What is it? Yeah, he sounded very mad. Maybe he, um, maybe they told him that day he couldn't, um, that uh, DeForest Kelly couldn't smoke on set that day. <laughs> oh, and he was, uh, going through withdrawals, isn't it? Yeah, yeah he's a little irritable. A little, yeah, I can understand that. I mean, he was a heavy <laughs> smoker. Um, and he would hide those things. I love that story of how when you look, any scene that he's in, there would usually be like an ashtray behind one of the props because he was smoking constantly. Oh, did they say that at the tour? Um, I forget if it was the tour or some, something I watched online, but yeah, someone was saying how oh. there were ashtrays and packs of cigarettes oh, stashed behind the props so the camera couldn't see them, but in between takes, he could whip one out. Oh, I didn't know that. It would be funny if, like, I should, now, I should now watch the show with a little bit more of an eagle eye and see if I could see if any of his, like, cigarette smoke making it into the... I wonder, there must have been a time that he left it in the wrong place and they caught it on camera. There has to be. Yeah. There has to be. Look into that. Yeah, you're making me, because you're reminding me of, uh, it's not Star Trek, but there's a scene in the original Halloween where John Carpenter's cigarette smoke makes it into the shot at one point. You see it come right into the camera, which I think is pretty funny. Um, there's, a, there's, a scene of game, there's a scene of Game of Thrones also where someone's like um, paper coffee cup with the plastic lid is in the like banquet scene. I remember that. You know, like a medieval fantasy banquet Starbucks scene. Yeah. Um, but so any, any more notes from you before we close out? Um. Nothing, well, one nobody, thing, and I'm surprised. Nobody in the chat either, because we're on Twitch right now. Nobody uh, comments in the chat, but that's okay. So sometimes, you know, there are these things in Star Trek that um, people still know, like Shakespeare and, like, maybe, you know, Beethoven, um, yeah. a chess. But Yahtzee is one, too, which I would not have thought Yahtzee would have stood the test of time. Oh, yeah. yeah Culture. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Spock knew what Yahtzee was. Spock is very up on Earth history, I noticed. Yeah. And even yeah. the fact that George Kirk knew what Yahtzee was is weird. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my last note. I will also mention that the kids who Pike is looking at on his, uh, the, the people that he's going to be saving, mm -hmm. one of them was born on the Tendara colony, which is the same colony that Annika Henson, a.k.a. Seven of Nine, would be born at later on. That's neat. Yeah. But remember, we hate how they connect everything. Yeah, but that's... I know. It's it's such yeah. a th it's a throwaway. It's a, it's a throwaway. Yeah, that's the thing you don't notice. If it was like their last name was Henson or something. If she was a relative. Oh, come on. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, what do you, Kirk's born on... Picard's born on Earth too? What the fuck? Why do you connect everything? <laughs> well, these humans are burning on Earth. It's ridiculous. So our next episode is going to be uh, the next episode of the show is called "Ghosts of Illyria." Illyria, I think that's what it says. Where the USS Enterprise encounters a contagion that ravages the ship one by one. The crew is incapacitated except for Number One, who must now confront a secret she's been hiding as she races to find. A cure. So maybe it'll be a number one episode next week, but we'll get some Dr. Mabega moments, I'm sure, because it's a disease. So thank you again for tuning in. You can reach out to us on Instagram at In Star Trek We Trust Podcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Star Trek We Trust. Until then, we will see you for our next episode where we discuss Ghosts of Illyria. So thank you again, and we'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>